the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for tuning in today. In the beginning, God gave us the perfect prescription for a well-balanced marriage. Then came Satan, and the rest, as they say, is history. Be encouraged. God's word says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. God has always done his part. We need to get back to doing our part. Listen with Bible, pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us. We're going to take up where we left off a number of Sundays ago. We're preaching a series on marriage, and um, we want to continue that for this morning. We will ask that you would turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, it says, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. I love that verse. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. And from this passage of scripture, we want to preach God's prescription for sustaining a healthy, well-balanced marriage. God's prescription for sustaining a healthy, well-balanced marriage. Marriage is a sacred institution created by God himself in the beginning of creation. It has always been valuable to God and we should value and make it priority to us as well. Satan is making an all out attack against the institution of marriage, causing many marriages to crumble all around us. We don't have to look far to see the devastating effects upon marriages. If we desire to see our marriage stand firm in the midst of widespread separation and divorce, then it is critical that we follow God's prescription for sustaining a healthy, well-balanced marriage. With that being said, I transition to this. What is God's prescription for a healthy, well-balanced marriage? What is God's prescription for a healthy, well-balanced marriage to the glory of God? You say, well, I'm not married and I don't want to be married and I'm just fine the way I am. But I tell you what, you write anyhow because somebody you, there's somebody uh, that you know are having struggles. And not only that, but there are principles in this message that even apply to singles as well. So you can look at it from a singles perspective because you are, after all, married to the Lord. Amen. So what is God's prescription for a healthy, well-balanced marriage? Number one, to remove dryness and staleness, you must realize that it is not too late to dream in this season of your marriage. 
To remove dryness and staleness, you must realize that it is not too late to dream in this season of your marriage. Ask the Lord to energize your marriage with a fresh vision and inspiration. It is not too late for you to have a life, a marriage that is full of life and pizzazz. It is it is not too late to dream and to have inspiration and aspiration and all these things. First Corinthians thirteen seven eight says, "Love hopes all things." This is to believe God by faith to work in your marriage. It is to believe God by faith. Say by faith to work in your marriage, even when things look bleak, even when things look dismal, and is in regression. We must be determined to maintain our spiritual composure when our marriages are struggling. We must maintain our composure. We must not be pessimistic and live in it. We must live in hope, expecting to be triumphant and gaining victory over our trials, crises, and failures, disappointment that intrudes into our marriages and our lives as well. To, the scripture says, love hopes all things. This is to keep our confidence in Christ. To hope in Christ is to keep our confidence in Christ. To look to Christ with confident expectation, with our eyes being fixed on him, who is the great God of hope. It is imperative that we keep on believing God for our marriage, even when we see little to no improvement at the moment. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2a says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You keep on believing God for your marriage. You keep hoping and you look to God uh, who is able to, to, to resurrect the marriage from where it is and do wonderful things beyond your comprehension when you let go and let God. Secondly, how do you have a healthy, well-balanced marriage? You cannot have a healthy, well-balanced marriage unless you think well of your spouse. It starts with how you think. You must think well of your spouse. 1 Corinthians 13, 5b says, love thinks no evil. You know what that means? This is to think evil is to think on things that are harmful, things that bring harm, things that are destructive. So much so that you, you you begin to say what you think. You think destructively. You speak destructively. You kill people, your your spouse and your family, and your children and your grandchildren with that tongue. To think on things that are uh, uh, evil is to think on things that are destructive, things that are harmful, things that are cunning, crafty, and deceitful toward your spouse. When you think evil of your spouse, you know what it does? It creates unnecessary stress. When you think evil of your spouse, it creates tension in the home, tension with your children, creates frustration, animosity begins to rise, It creates resentment, which creates a tremendous opportunity for Satan to work in your marriage because you are thinking evil. Therefore, ask the Lord to elevate your thinking. 
to raise the level of your thinking and focus on the good qualities about your spouse. Elevate your thinkings. Stop thinking low of your spouse. Stop thinking, refuse to think the worst of your spouse. And when you begin to think well of your spouse, you begin to minister more effectively to him or her to the glory of God. Thirdly, you are wasting your God-given energy and time trying to change your spouse. You are wasting your God-given energy and time trying to change your spouse. Therefore, stop trying to be God in your spouse's life. You're not God. You are you. (laughs) Ask the Lord to change you by revealing to you your own weaknesses and your own deficiencies. Pray and trust the Lord to make your spouse who he created him or her to be. That's the prayer you ought to be praying. Lord, change me. And Lord, it's my prayer that you would help my spouse become who you created him or her to be. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. Your spouse is fearfully and wonderfully made, created in the image of God. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Before your spouse came into uh, this world, God has a plan. God had a purpose. You don't have to redefine your spouse. It's not your job to repurpose your spouse. God has a plan and you need to pray that God's plan be fulfilled uh, for your spouse to the glory of God. That's how you ought to be praying. God has a plan and knows the purpose that he has for your spouse. Therefore, stop interfering with the plan that God has for him or her. You may hinder God's work by trying to mold your spouse into what you want them to be rather than what God has created them to be. Pray and ask the good Lord to help you be patient with yourself and to help you be patient with your spouse. You both are a work in progress. You are two sinners serving a perfect God. God is not through with you yet. And when he gets through with you, you go to heaven if you know him and you go to hell if you don't. So I pray you come to know him. You are a work in progress. Therefore, be patient with your husband, with your wife and with one another. First Corinthians 13, four says love is patience. Because marriage is a covenant relationship with God. Every effort is to be made to preserve it for as long as we both shall live. As Pastor Rander is showing us in today's message, we must do our share to energize our marriage. Think well of each other. Prayerfully leave it to God to change what needs to be changed in our spouse. Be selfless, not selfish. Be humble toward each other. Forgive each other. Be determined to have a Christ-centered marriage and be filled with the Holy Spirit in all things. Number four, if we desire for our marriage to flourish, then we must give no room for the spirit of jealousy. Jealousy is a horrible thing. It is it's a terrible thing. It wreaks havoc in homes and families. 
uh, in all kinds of ways. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse four B says, love does not envy or is not jealous. Uh, this is to be envious of your spouse's, to be jealous is to be envious of your spouse's appearance, to be, to be jealous of their gifts, to be jealous because they make more money than you. If your spouse make more money than you, praise God, it's coming to the same pot, coming to the same house, hopefully into the same account. Won't y'all say Amen. Hey, you ought to have a problem about that. Baby, make it. Make it. Thank God. You ought to rejoice and be shouting all over the house. Oh, she made more than me. Who, who she thinks she is? And, and stop thinking like that and thank God for the increase. You know, you're jealous of how they look, jealous of their gifts, je- jealous of your spouse's salary, your spouse's position. You get jealous of your spouse's influence. You get jealous of your spouse's friends. You don't have many friends because you're not friendly. And the other person is friendly. And got, he can't count all his friends or her friends. And you just go home and won't talk to anybody. If you want friends, you got to show yourself to be friendly. Jealous because your spouse got more friends. They get more recognition. Uh, they, have, uh, they have more possessions, uh, they have more p- uh, ability, uh, uh, more popularity and all these things. Jealousy, it is to resent the success of your spouse. Now, that's horrible. When your spouse is successful, you are one flesh. And why are you resenting the, the success of your spouse? Don't you know you're part of her and you're part of him and y'all are intertwined and you are you are in the your oneness in the sight of God. When your spouse is successful, you are successful. When your spouse when your spouse fail, you fail. You ought to be rooting for your spouse. Your spouse ought to be your best cheerleader. Help them succeed. Help her succeed. Help them get education if they want more, educa- more education. Uh, uh, you, pull for your spouse. Rally, be a cheerleader to the glory of God. Don't resent the success of your spouse, such as when one makes more money than the other. A jealous spouse, here's what they will do. They will compete against the other. That's competition. They will compare uh, with each other. They will be suspicious of the other. They will be critical of the other. They will refuse to give compliments. I ain't said nothing. He's already think, he already think he's got a big head. You know, won't give a compliment. Uh, and then they're so jealous that they even put the spouse under surveillance. Probably got something under the car somewhere. You know, they just, come on. Come on, you know, that, that, that's, that, that drives me crazy. I mean, you know, that would, that would drive me crazy. I'm so glad my wife and I don't, we don't have no room for that. My wife can go where she want to go. I'm not going to run her down and I'm not going to sit her down and say, now where you been? Why it took you so long? And the next time, don't you go out? I want to know everything. She want to go off. I let her go off. She want to go see her sister. I let her go see her sister. She want to do that. Let her do that. She want to go get her nails done. Let her go. She'll feel better. Why y'all looking at me like that? As a spouse, refuse to be a clinger. 
just clean. You know, you just tight. You can't, the poor man can't breathe. You know, she can't breathe. You just, you feel like, you feel smothered. And there's no place for that. There's absolutely no place for that. Jealousy is, is also a sign of insecurity and a lack of trust in the marriage. That's what it really boils down to. It's a lack of insecurity and a lack of trust in the marriage. It causes you to be possessive of your spouse. Somebody, another man talked to your spouse, two minutes. Well, didn't you go a little long talking to him? What were y'all talking about? Wait a minute, come on. Come on. You are, I mean, come on, there ought to be a sense of freedom and no, and in, in the relationship. And uh, and sense of trust in the relationship. If you don't have trust, what do you have? By being overly protective of your spouse. And uh, so we have to really, jealousy is very, very dangerous. Jealousy is found uh, in the Old and New Testaments. Uh, For example, in Genesis 4, because of Cain's jealousy of Abel, he murdered his own brother. In Genesis 37, Joseph's brother were jealous because he was given the coat of many colors by his father, Jacob, and he was the father's favorite son, favorite son, which resulted in him being thrown into a pit and sold into slavery. In 1 Samuel 18, Saul was so jealous of David that he made several attempts to kill him. And in Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son's older brother was so jealous of the gifts and party given to the prodigal son that he refused to come into the house to celebrate with his brother. Beloved, if God does not convict you of your jealousy, you will destroy your marriage. Therefore, ask the Lord to deliver you from a spirit of jealousy before it does irreparable damage to the marital relationship. Ooh, it got quiet in here. Number five, selfishness is the surest way to destroy your marriage. Selfishness is the surest way to destroy your marriage. Philippians chapter two, verses three through five says, do nothing out of selfish ambitions or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude, verse five, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Romans 12, 10 also says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. It is not about you. It's about your spouse. Husbands and wives must seek the interests of each other instead of your own interests. Selfishness has a way of draining the life out of the marriage. Selfishness has a way of draining the life out of the marriage. Let me just give you, well, I'm not selfish. Let me check you out. Oh, so I said, uh-oh. Um, for example, eating the last piece of dessert <laughs> without permission. Uh, some of y'all already messed up. <laughs> Controlling the remote. 
shouting when you do not get your own way. The whole house is miserable. Seldom walking the dog. And you wanted the dog. (laughs) Not sharing in the household responsibilities. (laughs) Did y'all hear that out there? Somebody said, well... They sound like they want to preach. Well, well, well. They didn't say amen. They just said, well. (laughs) Taking money out of the account for unnecessary expenditures without consulting your spouse. Not informing your spouse of your schedule. Never tell your wife, yeah, what, what you going to do today? None of your business. That's mean. That is downright ugly. Her business is your business. Your business is her business. She has a right to ask you that or he has a right to ask you to any time. And you need to give a soft, gentle, kind, loving answer. Okay? I, I, I don't understand y'all. When y'all first talking, when y'all first started talking, Oh, baby, sugar pie, sugar plum, I miss you so much. It's been two minutes. <laughs> Why you ask me that? Don't ask me that. What's wrong with you? That's, those are cutting remarks, hurtful remarks. Not informing your spouse of your schedule. Not being considerate of your spouse's schedule. And having a hit and having a hidden agenda to get what you want, no matter the cost. You're so selfish that you don't care who it hurts. You hurt your, you hurt your spouse, I don't care. Hurt your children, I don't care, they'll get over it. Hurt your grandchildren? I don't care. Hurt your reputation? I don't care. Hurt your minister? I don't care. I I have a right to do what I want to do. When I can't do what I want to do. So God stepped back and said, okay, I'm going to take my hands off of you. I'm going to leave you alone. And I'm going to let you have it. And oh my goodness, woe be unto you When the presence of God is no longer in your life. Father, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know. If thou withdraw thy hands from me, tell me where shall I go? Next, number six, humility is vital for nurturing a healthy marriage. Humility is vital for nurturing a healthy marriage. First Corinthians 13, five says, love does not behave rudely. To be rude is to be harsh. It is to be offensive. To be rude is to be embarrassing. 
To be rude is to bring shame. You will shame your spouse. You will humiliate your spouse. It is to be disrespectful to uh, your sp- your spouse, even in public. You don't care who you so bold. You are emboldened in how you act toward her or him. You're disgraceful. You're insulting and even sarcastic. It is impossible to be humble and rude at the same time. It is impossible, absolutely impossible to be humble and rude at the same time. Humility is abstaining from pride and arrogance. Humility, it is lowliness of mind. It is meekness. Humility is gentleness. Humility is to possess a deep sense of one's own unworthiness in the sight of God. It is to possess a deep sense of one's own unworthiness in the sight of Almighty God. In other words, a humble person does not possess a judgmental spirit. A humble person is submissive. A humble person extends grace when they've been hurt. A humble person is compassionate. A humble person is sensitive to the needs of others. And they are not rude. You have some rude Christians. Some, some, there are some who talk better to their friends than they do their own spouse. First Peter chapter 5 verse 5b says, yes, all of you, that's everybody, be submissive to one another. And be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but give grace to the humble. God's design for marriage is lasting. If we take an honest look around us, we can see that marriage based on God's word are based on love and commitment and will stand no matter what. The strongest legacies are established for generations to come. Praying and trusting God to bless us with a spouse designed just for us will last a lifetime. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 